You're listening to the Rent Roll Radio Show with Sterling Chapman. Hey, Rent Roll Radio listeners, welcome back to the show. As always, I'm your host, Sterling Chapman. Today, we are joined with the principal of Huston Investing, Kent Ritter. Welcome to the show. Hey, Sterling. Thanks for having me, man. Kent, can you tell us a little bit about your background, how you got into real estate investing, what you're doing today? Yeah, absolutely. So I was a management consultant for about 12 years. That's how I started my career. And uh, in that time, I actually went on to form uh, my own management consulting company with several partners. And uh, at the end of 2015, we decided it was the right time to sell that business. And that was really what kicked off my real estate career was, you know, having this capital from selling a business and knowing not, I didn't want to be hundred percent in the stock market. I didn't want to have all my eggs in one basket. So I started looking for alternative investments and started reading, going to bigger pockets, doing the podcast thing, you know, reading all the books and led me to real estate. Uh, very quickly through some good advice, I was led to multifamily real estate and really started um, kind of a, a just a, a passion for real estate and what it can do and started investing with others first of all, first off as a passive investor and use that as really a great education to learn the systems and and the program and how it works and see inside some deals. And so I did that in in about 10 deals in 2016. And then from really 16 to 19, um, that's what I did. I continued to passively invest, make relationships, you know, go to conferences and, uh, through the good network I built in 2019, uh, completed my first syndication with several partners. And we had our first acquisition, it was 250 units down in Atlanta, Georgia. And, uh, and that deal is actually coming full circle here in, uh, depending on when this airs in July. So we will, we will have held it for about 21 months and it's been uh, an amazing opportunity. That was my first uh, chance to really, wouldn't say drive the deal, but kind of sit shotgun in the deal, right? Be a part of the GP, help out, understand what's going on. And then from there in, in 2020, uh, went and acquired three other properties um, that I was really the lead on and, and led the whole process and another in 2021. And, and now that leads us to, to where we are. I'm working on, uh, gosh, my, my I guess sixth syndication now. And uh, we're just continuing to roll with the process. Awesome. Awesome. So it sounds like you skipped over, you know, a lot of folks kind of get their feet wet with the single family houses and the small multis, and then they kind of work their way up. You just dove mm-hmm. head first into the uh, large syndication model. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, you know, I got some great advice along the way that, that helped me kind of skip some of those steps. Right. I mean, I think mentors are extremely important and, and I had some really good mentors guiding me and kind of, kind of mentors in a good way. And then, then also in a bad way. Cause you know, I have a friend who owns uh, 30 or 40 rental units and we would, uh, you know, we would get beers and catch up. And when I was thinking about real estate, talking to him and, and, and he kind of sounded like he hated his life. I mean, I mean, he was <laughs> like, he was doing well, uh, but he was managing all of them himself. And it was, yeah. it was always just complaints. And it was like, man, this tenant did this and this happened and that. And <laughs> I was like, I, I don't think that's the route I want to go down. Like, that's not really what I'm looking for. So, yeah. <laughs> so skipped over I, that single family piece. So I went through that and uh, that's a pretty accurate description. When you manage 30 properties on your own, you hate life. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. So I was, I was always just like, man, why don't, why don't you just sell these and buy like a 40 unit apartment? And then you got it, then you got it all in, in one place, you know? And, and I think he's, he's coming, coming around to that idea and under, understands uh, the benefits, but, but so that was, that was just a great, 
you know, these great learning moments and these mentors that come in and kind of help you along the way and help me expedite things. I mean, I was planning, so I was like, okay, multifamily, great. I'll go out and buy a 50 unit. And, and again, had had a person step into my life who, who was a syndicator and say, well, okay, that that's all well and good, but what are you going to do after you purchase 50 units and you spend all your money? I'm like, what do you mean? I'm, I'm going to run it. He's like, yeah, but you, you have all your eggs in one basket and one property and, and all your money's tied up and, and that's, that's all you can do, right? All you can do is run that. And then he taught me the syndication model and taught me about, you can pool money together, right. To diversify and to invest across different assets and, and to, to at times even go buy bigger and better assets than you could on your own, which is one of the huge benefits of it, but really just opened up this world to me that I'd never heard of. And once he, once I learned about it, I mean, it all just completely clicked. And so that was when I, I just went out and started investing in these other deals, trying to learn as much as I could about this and different geographies, different sponsor styles, all that. And, and that was just a, a fantastic learning experience, like I said. And so, yeah, I've had these, these, these mentors and this advice come in along the way that's allowed me to, I think, get a lot farther in, in the, I guess, six years now I've been doing this than I ever could have on my own. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, people don't say this uh, enough. Uh, you know, you mentioned all the benefits of the syndication model and diversifying your money out. If I had the money to do a whole deal by myself, I wouldn't. I would invest in six other people's deals, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. or I would do six, you know, contribute a little bit to six of my different deals. Right. But just because you can buy one and you have all the money, it doesn't mean you should. There's right. a lot of benefits from stretching it out and spreading it out. You know, different markets, different operators. Um, there's a, there's a huge, um, huge amount of diversification and safety and, 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 yeah. and you know, benefit to that. Well, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And, and I think like the geographic diversity is huge because I mean, cities have cities are like, you can't really talk about real estate as a single cycle, right? As like, sometimes you hear on the news, a uh, real estate cycles up or down or whatever, but I mean, it's, it gets so specific. Right. And then even each city is on its own cycle. And, and at its own place in that cycle. And so you need to know that as you're investing, but having that geography, that geographic diversity allows you to, again, just spread your risk, right? Because if one city g is going into recession, well, you don't want, if you have all your properties in that city, you're in trouble. But if you have other properties over here, you're, you're good. And they kind of balance each other out. Yeah, absolutely. I have all of my prop. Well, I have some syndications in, in other cities, but the, the reason I got into syndication in the first place, I had all of my properties in one city mm -hmm. and I just wanted geographic diversification for that very reason. I mean, a hurricane could come along and wipe out every single one of my properties at the same exact time. Right. You know, um, there, there could be some kind of crazy bust in the oil field could literally make half the population leave you right. know, South, South Louisiana and, and make, you know, render my entire portfolio yeah. worthless. So uh, the geographic, you know, if, if oil goes away, it does to South Louisiana, what auto leave in Detroit did. So, mm -hmm. You know, definitely understand understand the concept there. If you yeah, had to smart, if you had to start over again, what's what's something you would have done differently? Looking back with all the experience from the six syndications you've done, yeah, that, that's a good question. If I had to do something all over again, I would have been open to starting smaller uh, because you know I very much. So I found a, a niche that I love right now, which is in kind of. 30 to let's say 150 unit properties. I mean, but, 
but I love the the fifties, the 70 units, the, the ones that like, it's kind of this no man's land where like, they're too big for the mom and pop folks, but too small for the big institutions. And so there's just sure. this nice space where there's less competition. Now I, I went through several programs and, and, and you hear all the gurus and everybody talking and everybody hundred says hundred plus, hundred plus. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And so that's what everybody's looking for. And, and I, I thumb my nose at anything less than hundred units because because that's what you're taught. It's like, you got to have on-site management. You got to be able to do this. And, and that is all really nice. So I, like, like, trust me, it's way easier to run a property if you can have dedicated on-site payroll than if not. But at the same time, that doesn't mean you should pay a 20 or 30 percent premium just to buy a property because of the, the the size of it, just because of the competition. Right. And so, so what I've found and have become very comfortable with is not worrying about how many units I have and not being, you know, I have this X many units, whatever, but really focusing on what is the return that those units are giving me? Because these 30, 50 unit properties are killing it. I mean, absolutely killing it from a return standpoint and, and providing, I mean, I'm, I passively invest a lot. So I get a ton of deals from a ton of different people. And these deals that I'm finding, honestly, are, are underwriting at, you know, three, like three to four percentage points higher on an IRR standpoint than these large deals are now, just because the cap rates have compressed so hard and there's so much competition. There, there's, there's the best and final round, the best, best and final round, and then the best, best, best and final round, right? And so by the time you get there, you're paying such a premium on those properties, Um that that it can be difficult to to provide returns that that you know you would have been able to two three four five years ago right but in these mom and pop style properties i mean properties where we're buying from folks that that run them as a side business right like they have a main job they're an attorney but they have an apartment things like that that's where we find significant upside because there's just management inefficiencies. There's loss to lease that we can immediately capture. Um, you know, so we're hitting it from a revenue side, we're hitting it from an expense side. And there's really a story there, right? It's not just, I'm going to buy an apartment in a market and hope that that market continues to appreciate. It's we have identified a specific deficiency that we can come in and solve. And in solving that, we can create a ton of value. And so that, that just is more rampant in these smaller properties. And so Long story short, getting back to what you asked is if I had to do it all over again, man, I would have started house hacking. I would have bought a duplex when I was 22 years old out of college. I would have, I would have rolled that like five, six, 10 times each year for the next 10 years. Um, and then I'm, you know, at that point you got a decent sized portfolio. I would have bundled all that together. I would have sold it all right as 20. And then that would have got me, that would have got me my, my capital in getting into real estate, but I would have already had management experience. I would have already had experience being a landlord and, you know, just being a very different place. So I I run an, I run a local meetup and I have a lot of people there that are newer. And, um, you know, when, when I first started every meeting, people would ask that question, you know, how do I get started? And, and, and originally I would throw like five, six options at him. Like you could do this, you could do that, you could do that. And, <laughs> and I would just see people's eyes glaze over, like, you know, just like hitting them with the fire hose and they're not ready for it. So what I learned was like, just get very succinct and just give them literally the best one. And so I say, look, house hack, go buy, go buy duplex. If you want to get started, go buy duplex, live in half, rent, rent half and go from there. Yeah. I tell literally every single 
every single young person I talk to that. I, and it bothers yeah. me that I now refer to people as young people because I, I'm, <laughs> I'm 35 and I, it just, it feels like yesterday I was being referred to as young people, but yeah. um, no, I tell, you know, college kids when they call, I'm like, dude, go yeah. buy a duplex or a fourplex. Like you can get it for like 3% down. It's, it's exactly. crazy. I discovered that concept immediately after moving into my first house with my wife. <laughs> Yeah. And there was no way I was going to get her out of that house into side of a duplex. But if I had figured it out a few months earlier and like we had never yep. gotten in the big house, it would have been an yep. easier transition. Man, I, I, I had the exact same experience, <laughs> literally, <laughs> literally the exact same experience. It's like, oh man, that's a great idea. It's like, no, no way in hell are we moving into a duplex. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, if you're, that's what I'm saying. Like, I love hearing the kids that are still in college and they've bought their first rental. You know, yeah. and they're and they're and they're living in it. They're and they're they're doing that house hack. I mean, Dude, I couldn't I couldn't make my rent in college. <laughs> yeah, there's some kids out there that are blowing my mind. Yeah, can you can you walk us through the numbers for one of your deals? I, I, we have a ton of of syndicators on the show. I don't know that anybody mm -hmm. has ever sat down and broke it out from like start to finish. You know how much goes to the GP, how much is going to limited partners, what the returns are yeah. like, how you force that appreciation. Can you just yep. paint that picture for us? Pick any of your deals. Uh, I'd love yeah. for somebody who's unfamiliar with department syndication and, and doesn't quite get it to be able to listen to this episode and, and it just click for them and go, Holy shit. That's what those guys are doing. Yeah. Right on. No, I, I would be happy to attempt this. Now there's, there's a lot to unpack there. So yeah, absolutely. Um, so just prompt me if I'm, if I'm missing something, but, uh, I'll try to keep it fairly high level too. So, so just starting at the top, um, you know, one thing when we are, so, so first of all, we start with kind of our general criteria of, of what we're looking for. There, there is a, a box that I know if we buy deals that fit in that box, we will be successful in. And so the first thing is just weeding out all the deals that don't fit in that criteria, because this, this at the end of the day is a volume game. And you have to just go through a lot of volume to find that, that one good deal. And so we're very strict in identifying that criteria. It's largely, you know, B-class workforce housing that was built 1980s or newer uh, in certain geographies. Um, but, but we really like secondary and tertiary markets, kind of try to keep it above 60,000 people in an MSA. Um, and there's got to be strong job diversity and job growth. So we kind of check these boxes, right? Now lets us do what I, so this is, so I'm only 36. I'm not, I'm not that, that much older, but this is like, I was telling somebody the other day, I call it like the tender swipe of, uh, of deals. So you got to get your criteria, right? So you can just be like, like, yes, no, yes, no, yes, yes, no. Right. You can do real quick. Cause you got to go through a ton of volume and you got to be real crisp on your criteria <laughs> and the guy actually goes, well, you know, Tinder might be a little outdated. You should call it like the, the Bumble swipe now. <laughs> and I was like, man, I was like, I got out of the dating game, like right at the right time because I never had to deal with all that online stuff. And, and, yeah. and I, I don't know how that would work, but, but anyway, so, so the Bumble swipe now. And, but anyway, so that, that's the beginning is just like getting your criteria right and being real crisp there. And then as, and the reason I say that is because our deals have to hit certain metric criteria for us to, to want to do them, right? They have to mm -hmm. meet certain return requirements. And, and, and it starts with just, you know, that certain deals based on, based on just reading 
about the deal and how old it is and where it is and all this, like whether or not it's going to be able to fit that criteria. So, so you get through that. And then like from a number standpoint, you know, we are, when we purchase deals, you know, I like to be at about half of replacement cost when I, when I'm purchasing a, a property, because that means that there's, um, what I mean by replacement cost is how much it would cost to build that property new. Right. So that means that if I can buy it half of that, then my rents can be significantly lower than somebody that built that new to, to achieve the same return. So there's a nice spread there because you got to make sure you're not, you know, you're not bumping up against the new product in the market. So we come in and we, that's something that we really look at. We also really look at, you know, what are, what are the overall rents, but how are those rents related to the income of the people in that area? because people can only afford so much in, in rent. And that's another thing where if you are hoping to raise rent a hundred dollars, well, you got to make sure that the folks based on their income are in the area are going to be able to afford that. And you're actually going to have a market for your properties. So, but getting in, so from a purchase price and then from, from a number standpoint, I mean, just to break it down simply, uh, our deal structures are, are fairly simple. We, we will do a preferred return, which what a preferred return means is it's not guaranteed, but what it is, it means that as an investor, you are getting a percentage return. So let's say the preferred return is 7%. You are getting a 7% return, meaning I'm getting you 77% of your investment back annually before me as a sponsor start to get paid. So you get the first 7%. And then above that, we, we do what's called a 70-30 split. And the market could be anywhere from 60-40 to 80-20. To um, or somewhere in between of, of how you split um, kind of profits after that. We, we do a 70-30 split, meaning that above that 7%, the rest of the profits get split, split 30% to me as a sponsor and 70% to you as the investor. <clears throat> and that's kind of how the, how the cash flows through the deal. Same thing at sale. When we sell it, first of all, we catch up to your pref to make sure we've gotten you that seven percent each year if if at any time that that fell behind um but then we're splitting the the proceeds of that sale uh 70 30 right and so that's how you're, you're getting your money and typically you're receiving your money through distributions throughout the process so you're going to get typically either monthly or quarterly distributions which is your share of the profits in the property right and then you're getting a big lump sum at the end. When we sell the property, you get a piece of that appreciation. You're typically going to get about 30 to 40% of your money through the cash that's coming through those regular distributions. And then you're going to get about 60 to 70% of your money in a big chunk at the end. So that's how you kind of expect the money to come through in, those, in these deals. Um, and, and what we're seeking, one of our, our main criteria uh, is based off an internal rate of return an IRR is what you'll hear. And that internal rate of return is really a, kind of a fancy way to just, to just be able to compare what, what are the returns that you're achieving? So what we say is I won't do a deal if I can't hit a 15% IRR over a five year hold period, meaning in five years, if you if you flattened out those payments, it would be a 15% return each year. And the reason you can't just do a straight average, and people will do this, and, and, and it's not really a representation of, of what you're actually getting, it over-represents the return because you're getting such a big chunk at the end 
that money you're getting at the end is, is worth less than the money you're getting at the beginning because because you sure. won't have it for, for five dis, years, right? Discounted, Time value for of fu- money. discounted for future cash flows, I believe, is the, it, it, is the exactly. encyclopedia definition of an yeah. IRR versus like an average annual rate of return. Exactly. And I, and I hope I didn't glaze too many people's eyes over with that. I just think that's an important note when you're, when you're like sure. looking at deals to look at an average return versus, versus your IRR. The other thing we're looking at is cash on cash. So that's the money that you're getting back on your on an annual basis on your investment, right? And while the preferred return, we said, right, 7%, we like to see an, an average cash on cash over the five years in the, in the double digits or, or at least in like the mid nines. So that, you know, ideally we're giving you back in 10% on average per year um, through the distributions, right, that, that you're receiving. Yeah. Cash and flow. So you're, that's, that's what people through, want in real estate. Through the cash, cash flow, flow. Right. Through the cash flow. So basically, if there's after we pay the mortgage and we do everything we need to do, if there's free cash flow left in the deal, we're distributing that back to, to you, the investors. And, and that's ultimately what you're getting. Right. And so it's so at the end of the day, you know, our goal is, is to get you close to doubling your money. Every, every five years in, in our deals. And, and some people may say, wow, that's great. Other people, you know, if you're investing in like angel investments or something, you say, oh, it's not that much. But it's a it's a fairly risk adjusted. It's a it's a safe investment. I mean, it's it's low volatility. As long as we do things the right way, it's very low likelihood that you're going to lose all your money. Um, because because in order to do that, we would have to default on the loan. And that's actually something that's very difficult to do if you're any sort of a competent operator. Um, because our, our properties, we do an analysis. And I mean, our properties that are 100% occupied would have to drop typically down to 70 to even 60% occupancy to to break even that's even after we could still pay the mortgage payment at that at that point and that's sure. i think another important thing to understand so it's a we we tell people we're trying to hit uh singles and doubles and stay on base and just keep going around you know we'll we'll hit the occasional home run but we're not babe ruth swinging for the fences but striking out so, you know eight I times tell- as much that's what I tell people is with cash flow and real estate, you know, time heals all wounds. I, I very frequently and probably a little incorrectly tell everybody, I don't care if everything I own goes cuts in half tomorrow. Like if the value of everything mm-hmm. I own goes, you know, goes to 50% tomorrow. I don't really care because it all cash flows and it will eventually come back up. And That's right you know, we, the rent's going to pay the mortgages until it comes back up. And that's, right. and that's, a, that's a dramatic example, but I mean, that's, that's the same concept. You might have to end up waiting a little bit longer to get your money back, but you're going to get your money back as long as, yeah. as long as we're not doing some crazy like development project where there's zero cash flow and then somehow we run out of money before the project's finished or something. You know, right. if, if it's a cash flow in day one type of property, like you're relatively safe. It's kind of hard to screw that yeah. up. Well, that's what I tell, I, I tell people because the first conversation I have with a lot of people, especially if they're a new real estate investor, is they, they just have a perceived risk of real estate because they're unfamiliar with real estate. And most people have a, an example like I talked about where like, you know, maybe it's their uncle had a rental and it went and it went bad. Right. Or like, like most people think that's what real estate investing is. And so you're trying to, you're educating people, but a lot of people, they perceive it as riskier than it is. So what I tell people is, look, 
we're buying a business because that's what an apartment is. It's a business. We're buying a business that has been producing cash flow for 20 to 30 years, right? We're just going to help it make a little more money. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel here. We're just going to come in and we're going to infuse capital to improve it. We're going to run it better, make sure that we're maximizing, you know, the rents it can achieve based on the market. So we're taking a property that's been producing positive cash flow for 20, 30 years. We're helping it make a little bit more money, but that's why there is that relative safety, right? It's like that, that business has been there for 30 years making money. I've never heard it explained that way before. That's great. I'm going to steal that. You better believe all my investors who can hear that. <laughs> hey man, that's it's all free on the podcast. You can, you can take it, but I think it is an easy, because a lot of this is just because there is that perception of risk. You've got to help people get over that first barrier, right? Mm-hmm. That kind of limiting belief that, Oh no, real estate's too risky for me. Right. Um, because because only if you can do that can you help them get really out of their own way to to have the opportunity to invest in in what I found is the best investment that I've ever invested in. It's why I've dedicated my life now to to running these deals, right? Because I, for me, I've decided this is the best way for me to build long term wealth for my family and to also improve the lives of all the people around me. Because now all my friends and family and folks are in these deals and they're seeing these returns. And this is not something that I mean. I, I came from a very blue collar background, and this is not something that that like you know my friends and, and I would have ever had access to stuff like this. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So what else we were talking about a deal. I mean, what, what else can I go into to help people understand? So you, you covered the, you covered the returns. Um, Let's see. Talk a little bit about what we actually do maybe. Um, So, so, so what we actually do, and another easy way to explain this is like, like everybody watches HGTV, right? And everybody sees all the, all the, all the house flipping. Well, it's all, it's all single family flipping, right? So essentially what we're doing is we're doing similar to what you see on HGTV, but we're doing it with 50, 100, 150 units at a time. Over and five and year I- period. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, the construction typically lasts, you know, a few, a few months to a year, depending on how much renovation you're doing. Right. But then we're running it for, for a period of time before that. But the easiest way is to say, look, we're flipping these apartments and that we're, we're taking something that was kind of run down or we're, and we're making it new and we're making it nice, you know, and, um, and then, yeah, there's the management component too. So it is a longer term thing. Look, look, nothing's ever as easy as what you see on HGTV. Cause I've flipped single family homes too. And like, it, it's not as easy. <laughs> None of it is, but, uh, but it's the easiest way to kind of get people to understand what we're doing. Right. So we're putting in, you know, we're improving the interiors of the properties, whether it's flooring, cabinets, countertops, you know, light fixtures, whatever they need, paint, making them look modern. We're making the property clean and safe. And with and modern, clean, safe, affordable housing is the name of the game. And that, that's what we're attempting to achieve. You know, we're not in properties that are A-class downtown. We're in workforce housing. So it's usually folks that are making anywhere from 45, maybe to 65,000 a year as a family income, right? And so it's folks that are renters by necessity, not by choice. Um, and so our goal is to make it clean, a clean, safe environment that, that they can be proud of. And if you do that, Folks will take care of the community and, and it'll be a win-win for everybody. Awesome. 
Awesome. Love it. Real quick, I want to hop over to our radio round, help our listeners get to know you a little bit better. Sure. Um, just three quick questions. First one is, what's your favorite book? My favorite book is Think and Grow Rich by nice. Napoleon Hill. I actually, it's sitting on my desk here because I'm reading it for like the fifth time. But it's all blurred <laughs> out. There it is. Um, and the reason it's my favorite is because it's, it's like the, the OG of, of yeah. all of oh, the yeah. uh, personal development stuff. Right. So, yeah. so if you listen to other people, Tony Robbins and others, their core, from, their core concepts Napoleon came from Hill. this book and came from Napoleon Hill. So like, it's cool to go back to this book that was written in the twenties when this was all super radical and here uh, just the thought process. It's all about mindset and it's all about, you know, how do you, affirmations and visualizing and doing these things that, that you need to do to, to succeed. And I've said this a million times and I'll say it again. Uh, every successful person I know swears by it. And every unsuccessful person I know can tell you how stupid it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, <laughs> and it, it gets kind of out there, you know, there's some things yeah. in there, but at the same time, like take, take what you, I don't know, take what you will from it, you know, and, but I think there's, there's definitely just the core idea that thoughts are things and sure. that every, every action started with a thought. And so if you're not thinking right, you're, you're never going to produce the right actions and you're never going to have the right, the right results. So, it, you know, your thoughts really are extremely powerful. Absolutely. Uh, what's your favorite quote? Man, favorite quote. I, I don't know of all time, but I just, I heard one recently that I really liked. I was reading this, uh, this other book called think again by Adam Grant. And I've said this a few times, but there's this awesome quote in it by Ray Dalio. And it, it's like, you know, if you can't look back on yourself uh, every year, can't look back over the past year and say, wow, I was really stupid. Yeah. yeah. He goes, then you haven't learned very much in the past year. And I was like, man, that's just, that's a great way to put it. I am reading a book by Ray Dalio right now, Principles. Um, that's uh, a great book. That is another great book. I'm, I'm on 400, page 453, which, yeah. is, which is the most I've ever read. In a, a book. <laughs> I, I've been avoiding it. I've been wanting to read it for years, but I, yeah. I don't, I'm a slow reader, so I don't like 500 page books, but I'm doing 75 hard right now, which is, has me sitting down reading every oh, day yeah. anyway. Yeah. So I just went and knocked it out and I'll be done in a couple of days. So that's it's awesome. Great. Yeah. It's dense. I mean, it's like a textbook. Like you yeah. have to read, you, you can only really read a little bit at a time. Otherwise you're going to miss a ton of gold, you know? Sure. So I think that's the right way to do it. Absolutely. What, uh, what's your favorite thing to do outside of work? with my kids. I've got three small kids. I've got a, a five-year-old and then a soon to be four and soon to be two-year-olds. Oh, and wow. uh, yeah, so they, they keep us plenty busy, but I mean, they're, oh, they're just the joy in my life. They're, they're why I do everything I do. They're, they're why I transitioned right out of, you. yeah. Like why I transitioned out of consulting where I was on the road all the time. Uh, why I thought, and one of the reasons I thought real estate was so great was because it allowed me to have flexibility in my schedule because I wanted to be that dad that, that can go to everything and go to all the recitals and the baseball games and soccer yeah. and, and everything. And so real estate has given me the freedom to be able to do that. Awesome. Yeah. No, I'm right behind you. I've got, um, a, a two year old and a 
three month old and I'm oh, lobbying man. for, I'm lobbying for the third, <laughs> but the wife is probably gonna make me push it out a couple of years. So I'll likely be like lined right there with you. Yeah. And I love real estate for all the same reasons and, and, that you just said. Um, and that's the, that's the message I keep delivering, you know, to, to the family is like, look, I'm trying to do this so we can, you know, make all the recitals and all of the baseball mm-hmm. games and all of the, that's, um, that's huge. So how can our listeners find out more about you, get in touch with you, invest with you, learn from you? Yeah. So there's a couple ways uh, that one is you just go to kentritter.com, K-E-N-T-R-I-T-T-E-R.com. And that's my home base. You, you can check out you know all kinds of things there. You can check out my blog and other things. And um, from there, you can go to... Um, find me on LinkedIn, you know, you find Kent Ritter on LinkedIn. And, um, then lastly, my podcast, it's Ritter on real estate. And, uh, so you can listen to that anywhere you listen to podcasts. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's really about how do you make good investing decisions? So it's about, um, really focused on the passive investor kind of thinking about where I started and wanting a resource really focused on me. And so I, I bring people on, talk to the experts, get their tips to try to help educate people on how can they be better investors. Awesome. Awesome. I, I can't wait to check it out. Kent, I really appreciate you joining us. It, it was great seeing you again and, uh, definitely look forward to keeping up with you on your journey. Thanks, Sterling. I really appreciate having me on, man, and uh, had a blast. Awesome. Have a good one. You too. Thanks for tuning in to the Rent Roll Radio Show brought to you by Crestworth Capital. We hope you enjoyed the show, and if you did, please hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating and review. You can also visit us at CrestworthCapital.com or RentRollRadio.com or follow us on Facebook at Rent Roll Radio or at Crestworth Capital. If you would like to reach us, feel free to shoot us an email at info at rentrollradio.com or sterling at crestwordcapital.com. We hope you come back next week to join us on some more of our journey. Until then, happy investing.